Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Karlsson, Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. I'm good, and I do know what you're talking about. Nashville and San Jose jumped the gun. We're in this, like, very strange valley in the hockey schedule right now where there was hockey, and now we have to wait, like, another week for the machine to, like, start up again. We get a a trickle of games uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, but nothing to really sink our teeth into. So we got a taste, and they're just leaving us hanging for more. So while they are, yeah, we're going to go through every team in the league, pick out one takeaway that we can grab from preseason. Of course, in classic Keeping Carlson fashion, that does not likely mean we're just going to say one thing about each team. We're going to name the entire list of possible things we could say about each team and try and whittle that down to the top two or three most interesting takeaways for a team that can help you get ready uh, to have a strong start in your fantasy season. I hope you streamed well from the first couple games or you're still in a good position for your first matchup. If you're not, don't freak out. We got you. Let's uh, let's get to the teams. But first, Elon, you probably have a, a couple pieces of business to mention. Well, you know, a typical intro. You, sp- you spoke about streaming. How did everyone like that uh, first episode of the year of the stream scheme by Dave Benton? That was so fun. We dropped that on our feed yesterday. A new addition to the Keeping Carlson lineup. Check it Every single week, you're going to be getting a mega show, a two-part mega show from us every Monday morning. That's going to be there. Then you're going to have a short shifts on Wednesday, a short shifts on Friday, and a stream scheme on Sundays. So if you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson, we're going to have you covered all season long to keep you ready with the most up-to-date knowledge and facts to win your leagues. And yeah, Stream Scheme is great. If you decided not to check it out, I definitely would go back and do it because Dave breaks down the schedule. If you're in a head-to-head league, you need to be taking advantage of the schedule and going after those players who play a lot or play on off days. Dave explains it all. He, did, he had a really good intro. Uh, but yeah, Brian, as far as we go... We are proudly presented by DopperHockey.com, another go-to to be successful in fantasy. I use Frozen Tools all the time. Like, I used it to prep this show, and I don't know what I would do without it. If it ever went away, I would cry, cry, cry. Uh, and also, of course, all the great articles, uh, including the Daily Ramblings, are clutch at the end of the night. So check it out, DopperHockey.com. But okay, with that, Brian, I have split up the teams, or we've split up the teams. Half of them, you picked a player. Half of them, I picked a player. And now I've randomized the list, the order that we're going to talk about these teams. And we're going to start looking at my list here with the New York Islanders, which is a Brian team. So Brian, what is your takeaway from the New York Islanders going into the season? Well, this is proof that we've randomized this list. Because if we were very strategic podcasters trying to start with the most entertaining or even a moderately 
entertaining team to start with. Like, I'm just happy to get the Islanders out of the way here rather than get rolling and then hit the aisles where we're just going to yawn and move on. At least that's what I did when I was going through their preseason results and lines. I saw, you know, Kyle Palmieri and Zach Parisi rotating on the top power play. Both were playing with Matt Barzal on quote-unquote line one in the last preseason game, and that's quote-unquote because we could very well see the Brock Nelson line see more time on ice than the Matt Barzell line based on what we've seen so far in preseason and what we saw to end last season under the Barry Trotz tenor. Of course, now we're in the, the Lane Lambert tenor on Long Island, and apparently... The team is going to play a more aggressive style. Matt Barzell even cited it when saying why he signed long-term in Long Island. I mean, the real reason is because they offered him a boatload of cash. I'm sure lots of other teams, I don't know if they would have backed up the Brings truck quite as much for Barzell. It's a, it's a pretty rich contract for a guy who they didn't seem to want to play at the end of last year. But the line on the aisles is... We're going we're gonna to take the game to the opponent more often this year. We're going to be more aggressive. We'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. And it's also hard to believe when I see Kyle Palmieri and Zach Parisi playing on line one with your most offensive centerman, which I would love to work out. I, I have liked both those guys. They played together in New Jersey. Maybe they can bring that chemistry not a long distance from New Jersey to Long Island, but I'm not particularly excited or interested in anything really that's happened for the Islanders this preseason. So far, it's still status quo for them, and we've just been waiting to see what a new coach does for the team, and we continue to wait to see. Honestly, I, I don't even really want to talk to the uh, talk about the Islanders until we're in game 10 of the season. If something looks different, I'm just going to, in the first few games, I'm going to chalk it up to a short-term aberration. Call me after game 10 about the Islanders, or if you have some really good video to show me about how things are are qualitatively different. But man, this team just seems to stay the same. And uh, they were definitely one of the more boring teams to look at from the preseason results. Yeah, I guess. So Barzal last year, also at the end of the year, was playing with like a Parisi Palmieri types and away from Anders Lee, who he, he used to play with for like the majority of his career. And it didn't go well, right? He, well, I mean, it depends how you look at it. But in terms of fantasy, like last year, it, he ended with a 66 point pace, only 2.2 shots per game. You called him like their best offensive weapon. Like, I don't know, in fantasy, at least at this point, maybe give me a Brock Nelson. You know, he's the one who takes more shots and is playing with Anders Lee, who I think is their best winger at the moment. So uh, I don't know. Is that a hot take to say like if right now you were asking me who I want on my cupful team between Nelson and Barzal I might lean Nelson it would at least be very close for me which is obviously not great news for people who drafted Barzal but who knows maybe he'll take more shots or things are different but yeah playing with Parisi and Palmieri definitely does not interest me so we'll see if that lasts or if they shake things up after a slow start Right. And I really hope they do because, well, I, I don't know. I don't even know if shaking things up is going to change. So, Elon, I'm done with the Islanders, if you don't okay. mind. Let's let's blow the doors open with the second team on a randomized ordered list. And that's uh, the Montreal Canadiens. All right, Elon, make this interesting. That's easy. There's a lot of interesting things going on in Montreal. A lot of fun new players have made the team. Slavkovsky made the team, we just learned. Also, Caden Gooley. I feel like we haven't really talked about him on the show, but Montreal, as we know, doesn't really have like any defensemen. Like, people have been excited about Mike Matheson potentially getting a shot on the top power play if he can, you know, get Chris Weidman out of the way, which is the kind of conversation you definitely don't want to be having on a fantasy podcast, which is relevant. So, yeah, Caden Gooley, you know, 16th overall pick in 2020. He uh, scored a couple goals in each of his final preseason games versus Ottawa. So he's someone I'm interested in. But 
That's not the topic I've chosen for Montreal. That was just my trying to explain to you why I think there's some interesting things about this team. There's these rookies. uh, But I think the main story is that Suzuki is healthy. He just lost his IR eligibility on Yahoo, which is kind of annoying for me because I was thinking of making one more move tonight. And now I can't because he's stashed in my IR. But that's fine. Uh, So he'll very likely be playing with Caulfield. And to me, it's like the guy I'm interested in is the one playing with those two guys in terms of a stream because Montreal does have a good schedule this week. And I'm going to mention the same person who Dave mentioned on stream scheme, uh, Dodonov looked like he was playing at practice with Caulfield and well, and it was with Monahan, but that's because Suzuki was out. But I'm assuming it's going to be Suzuki, Caulfield, Dodonov. That's interesting to me. I think at this point, you know, it's very hard to pick who's that third habit. I've been reading some articles about how Brendan Gallagher is like finally back in shape and blah, blah, blah. Who knows? Maybe Gallagher could go back to somewhat of what he used to be. But at this point, if I'm like streaming a hab and it's not Suzuki or uh, Caulfield, of course, or a goalie, I guess, give me... Uh, well, maybe Caden Gooley if I want to take a big swing there. But yeah, Dodonov seems like someone that would be fun to try out if he's going to get a top line role. Not at all a bad swing. And I think the comparison I'm going to make is, well, I'll make two for Dodonov. First is that when we saw him perform, it was when he was alongside Alex Barkov in Florida, right? Like, And in Ottawa, when he was asked to be more of the guy, uh, he wasn't able to be. So I like that he's on a line where he's not going to be asked to be the guy. Uh, he's playing with the closest thing Montreal has to Jonathan Huberto and Alex Barkov, which is Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, which, by the way, Cole Caulfield, four goals in five preseason games on 21 shots. So it seems like Marty St. Louis continues to give Caulfield that green light. Not that we expected that to change, but it's nice to already see the shots just flying from Caulfield. And really, four goals on 21 shots, if he can do that, I mean, doing it every five games is going to be hard, but it's not an outlandish shooting percentage if he's a good enough converter and he's taking enough shots. So I'm excited to see just how high Caulfield can go this season. Of course, a lot of it might depend on that back end because Montreal's going to have to break out of their own zone somehow. And I still just haven't seen how they've done it. But yeah, it would be nice for Dodonov to be able to collect uh, any kind of fancy relevant production on that top line. And one thing that I, I, I will say is I would rather... Dodonov than Mike Hoffman. I feel like that's like your barometer. You know, if you were sort of streaming Mike Hoffman last year, had him on your roster at any given moment, or have him on your roster right now, I would swap him out for Dodonov and see what happens because I don't think in most leagues really Hoffman is that worth waiting on. And I'd rather uh, find out what Dodonov can do. Yeah, like I'll agree with you. Like for now, of course, we'll have to see how the lines shake out as the season goes on. Montreal might have a rough year and they might shake things up a little bit as things go. Definitely check out gamedaytweets.com where uh, we gather all of those tweets of the line combinations that me and Shams, mostly Shams, are, are tweeting out. And so, yeah, you could follow at gamedaylines or you can go to gamedaytweets.com and yeah, just make sure you, you check it before you're going to make your Habs ad before their games on Wednesday and Thursday. You might want to just, yeah, just verify that there hasn't been any swap. But uh, okay, so that's Montreal. Let's go now to the Dallas Stars, another Elon team. Okay, but Brian, I do have a question for you because uh, Jason Robertson has signed. He was at the last practice. He's playing on the top line with Hinson and Pavelski. You mentioned, I think it was on the draft show and on a patron cast, like some shows recently before he had signed, you were like warning people that maybe he's going to have a slow start because he didn't make it to camp and he didn't get to play any preseason games. He did get a, a practice in, like he's going to start the year. Like, are you, is that still a concern for you? Or was that more like if he missed like the first few games of the season? It doesn't really concern me. It might be a minor concern, 
But for the people who have Robertson, he probably fell at least five picks in your draft, maybe as many as 10 or 15. And if you got him here and he's been at least in attendance to camp or at a video session and has gotten to go in and say hello to everybody and get his get his feet wet, I think this is really good news. And you'll be able to get full value Jason Robertson f- before long. I'm not going to rule out the possibility that the first few games he still needs to find his legs. He hasn't seen any preseason action, but... I mean, this guy's amazing. He's young. He's a pro. He at least signed during the tail end of camp. And I think that's really good news for anybody who was fortunate enough to draft him, likely uh, above his value. Yeah. Sir Fonte saying in the chat, if Robertson starts slow, I'm targeting him for early trades. Yeah. Yes. Go and jump on people who are getting concerned because, yeah, it would be probably just because he wasn't in like full game shape. I'll also mention. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, Robertson hints Pavelski has been the top line. That's left uh, Sagan playing with Mason Marchment and Ty Delandria and then Ben uh, Johnston, who's a fun prospect in Gurionov. Uh, so Mason Marchment has looked good. You know, he's it looks like he's going to start in the top six, four points in four games. So he's someone that is available still in a lot of leagues. And I, I don't know how much can come from the second line i guess a lot of it will have to do with tyler sagan right and if he's good and like yeah i mean again it's preseason we're not going to read too much into points like they're just trying different things out but no points in three games uh, he had five shots versus minnesota <laughs> at least i'm curious to see like is sagan just like a 50 point guy now like he was last year or can he do more is like mason marchment going to help him are they even going to stick together so those are some questions on my mind i don't really i don't even know if i need to pose them to you because it's not like you're going to have answers but i'm just letting people know i've got mason marchment on my radar but a lot of it depends on how good Tyler Sagan actually is. You should have Mason Marchman on your radar, on your brain, because I think he might be the best line mate that Tyler Sagan has had in the last little while. Looking back to last season, Sagan had, uh, it was Jamie Benn and Denis Gurianov on his wings, and no disrespect to, well, some disrespect to both of those guys, Gurianov, even when Jason Robertson wasn't signed, still wasn't getting like guaranteed top six looks in Dallas. And he was someone we were really excited about once upon a time, showing some flashes, hasn't really panned out. Uh, and then before that, uh, before it was even Gorianov, it was Jamie Benn the the ghost of Alex Radulov. So this is a, an opportunity for Tyler Sagan to show that he can work with someone who has shown some offensive potential. We haven't seen a ton from Mason Marchment, but his numbers under the hood suggest that there really could be a player here. So I am a, that would be nice if there was going to be some second line production from Dallas. But honestly, I think this is really great news for Rupe Hintz and Joe Pavelski uh, because they, I don't know. I, I I think Hints for sure would have been fine on line one without Robertson. I think Pavelski would have been okay too. But of course, this maximizes what they're going to be able to deliver now that they're playing with one of the best goal scorers and shooters in the league. Oh, also Mason Marchman, I just wanted to mention before I moved on from him, 15 shots in four games, which is a nice thing to see. We see that he does his best when he is given some room to play. So that's uh, that's a promising sign for Mason Marchman to actually being given some rope to play with. Yeah, some rope, like a rope hints. Okay, so Brian, next up, let's go to uh, Anaheim, which is a Brian team. So Brian, what do you got from the Ducks for us? All right, well, how about Pavel Regenda hmm? uh, coming out of Slovakia, who is showing up with seven points in six games uh, to start preseason? He's the, the Ducks' leading scorer. Good did for him. The, did he make the team? Yeah, it was, so it, all indications are, as of uh, time of publication, that he is going to make the opening night roster. I don't think it's been 100% confirmed, but he's 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 in the mix. It looks like it's happening. Um, and 
he could end up in a top six spot here in Anaheim, right? Who are, the, what is happening? So we're, I need to like look at this person. I, this is not a name that I am familiar with. I hate oh, to you say. weren't ready. For, you weren't ready for <laughs> Pavel Regan to talk. Okay, well, so are you recommending that he's uh, so? Okay, cool. So here's what I'm saying. I'm looking at the top six right now in Anaheim, like the latest practice lines, of course, at game day lines.com is no. that it i'm well it's game, game day, day tweets. tweets now we've okay. got game day line tweets was the old one then i i got okay. game day tweets and now it's okay like, oh, very confused just bookmark it okay is it any, game... no don't bookmark it learn it hey game day tweets it's easy everyone now you know forever it's the best website <laughs> okay. i don't even make game... any money off it also why do i keep pump pro- like promoting it i should put an ad on there one day yeah, I've told you this before just some unobtrusive google ads or at least some more links to the podcast anyway uh pavel regenda Looks like he could make the team with this great preseason performance, which doesn't doesn't mean anything, right? Like it doesn't mean he's guaranteed to produce. It doesn't even mean he's guaranteed to be in the top six because he's uh, he's been playing in the bottom six for a lot of this time. But the reason I say that I have some interest in him is that he's for anyone who doesn't know, by the way, twenty two years old undrafted. He'll turn twenty three in December. He played uh, very well for his hometown, Mikolovce Dukla HC in the Slovak, uh, the Slovakian Extra League, the last couple seasons. The Ducks brought him over. Let's see what he's got. And I just see some soft spots in the Anaheim top six. And I know you might not say that Ryan Strom, uh, Frank Vitrano, or Adam Henrique are soft spots, but they could all be utility guys who could maybe be moved over to the middle six if the Ducks... Like, if Regenda keeps giving them reason to bump him up the roster. I don't think it's likely. I just think he's someone we should have on our radars with his preseason performance, which obviously doesn't mean anything at all, but on your radars. Uh, how about another Mason? We'll talk about Mason McTavish. Also had a strong preseason. He's someone I've heard of. Yeah, he's playing with Ryan Strom and Troy Terry. So that looks good. That looks like someone who could be worth your while, except my concern in Anaheim is that you know, we know Zgrass is someone who we trust to produce. We know Troy Terry is someone who we can trust to produce. But they're not playing together. And they're not playing with anybody else we can totally trust to produce. So, honestly, if I have Trevor Zgrass, maybe I'm not so worried because he's Trevor Zgrass. If I have Troy Terry, I think I'm a little worried. I still think he'll do okay. I just don't love that they're apart and that they can't help each other. Yeah, and of course it's like they could change the lines. Like uh, th- that just happens to be the latest practice lines because Trevor Zegers was injured for a lot of the preseason, so this is like just something new now. There were also stretches last season where they weren't playing together as well. Um, and then one other preseason takeaway from the Ducks: I- I'm really feeling John Klingberg this season, Elon. As you know, I-, I drafted him ahead of Eric Carlson in a draft we were both in. You took Carlson with the pick two two picks later. I think this could be a big year for him. I was reading an article sort of like pumping him up and making saying when Ken Hitchcock came to Dallas, he didn't try to change Klingberg. He let Klingberg continue to be Klingberg, but tightened up some some weaker aspects of his game. And then Rick Bonus came to Dallas and tried to change John Klingberg, tried to fit like Klingberg as a round hole into the square peg that was the Dallas system, and it just wasn't working. And this is another reason to like Haskinen, too. I'm not saying this is only about Klingberg. But I, and Klingberg has a lot to play for. Just had a kid on a one-year contract betting on himself. Uh, the team would love to give him a lot of play because he's either a great future piece for the team or a great asset. I have big feelings. 
big vibes about John Klingberg having a great season. There's nothing specifically for me to take away from his play in the preseason to suggest. I mean, three assists in three games isn't too shabby. Five shots is nice uh, about what we want to see. And I just want to see the, the Klingberg train keep chugging along early this year. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, after seeing Eric Carlson put up a couple goose eggs to start the year in those games versus Nashville, maybe now it's looking like you did make the right choice. Uh, but obviously, uh, too soon to tell. But yeah, Klingberg looking good, and he's going to have that spot. And the fun thing is, he's almost for sure going to get traded at the deadline, I'd imagine. So then we'll get, uh, you know, for your fantasy playoffs, it's a bit of a game of roulette here of where he's going to end up. Uh, Brian, I guess we also have to, on Anaheim, mention that John Gibson is injured. We don't know yet for how long. Apparently, it's like not a head injury. Uh, so now, I guess Anthony Stolar is the starter though they do have now Lucas Dostal who's going to make the team I'm kind of thinking like I had the option I still do have the option actually in a bunch of my leagues to go grab Stolars but I kind of feel like it would be like kind of a 50-50 with Gibson out I don't know are, are we recommending that people should just go grab Stolars because he's the you know starter on the Ducks or do we expect that he's they're, they're not going to play Anthony Stolars like 10 games out of 11 or something maybe or maybe they will. I, I really don't know. I don't know how to read this. And we know for years we've had very little insight on how Anaheim makes decisions. Their, their beats haven't haven't really given us the fantasy info that we've been looking for. Now Lisa Dillman, our, our pal, is over there. Uh, so hopefully we'll get some good stuff from her through the year. You know, Elon, I think Anthony Stollers might have something to him as a, like, as a timeshare NHL goalie and I I don't see it impossible that he gets off to a good start and is able to hold the net for a little while while Dostal watches because Dostal eventually is going to head back down is my assumption to play more games be nice for him to play a few while he's up of course we still have to see just how bad the injury to Gibson is but the Gibson injury is a reminder to me one that he gets injured and two that Stolarz is there and hasn't had a full chance to really show what he can do and in limited time in the NHL He's looked at least like an average NHL goalie, so I'd love to see him get some games in and at least answer that question, which might be no, he can't do it, but I at least want that question answered. Hope that question is answered early in the season. Okay, yeah, so this will be a fun thing to track. I guess at the end of the day, it's Anaheim, and even though they have John Klingberg, who you love, I don't know if that's going to be enough to keep them from you know, being a scary place to start a goalie this year, uh, but we'll see. And also, Gibson might be fine, right? I'm just throwing it out there. Like If it turns out Gibson's injured, we need to let people know. And it sounds like we're saying, yeah, maybe go for Stolars. There might be something there. Obviously, no guarantees. So <laughs> however that helps. Uh, so next up, let's go to the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, we were at A. Now I have to scroll all the way down to V. And I believe- It's me. Is, it's a Brian. Oh, two bad eyes so much i wanted to say but like i'm sure you'll you'll crush it oh well actually i'm interested in what you have to say because i didn't find a ton i mean i saw andre kuzmenko of course doing his thing he was my total blind spot this year in drafts like he was picked in a draft I'm like oh andre kuzmenko i forgot to like this would have been the right time to have him in my queue i go into my next draft ah oh, he goes again right like and i've forgotten and it happened actually in a third draft i'm embarrassed to admit like i just couldn't when i'm compiling my cues I just kept forgetting to add him in there with the group of players that he belonged with. Um, and I wish I had a piece, a stake of Andre Kuzmenko this year because it looks pretty nice. Early this preseason, he's got six points, three goals, three assists in four games, 10 shots. That's also pretty nice. Also playing on the top power play. Of course, Brock Besser hasn't been in that equation yet. And even when he is, he might not be on the top unit, but it is something to just keep in mind if you're before you get too carried away with top power play Kuzmenko being someone who's locked in. If you haven't heard of him, 
I, I assume you have, but just in case, undrafted, 26 years old, undersized, has played his last four seasons with St. Petersburg Ska of the KHL. His last season was especially good. And uh, we're excited to see what he can do in Vancouver, which is rolling three lines that look pretty balanced. And my takeaway, you know, you have Miller on one, Horvat and maybe Besser on the other, and then Pedersen and Kuzmenko on the other. I, I know I didn't name the full top nine, but I, I named the highlights. And I just wonder if you've got three mostly balanced lines and they are rolled in a kind of balanced way, does that impact the ceiling that you can expect from? And JT Miller kind of answered that question last year by putting up 100 points while not totally being the go-to guy, but being the only one that the Canucks could go to when they needed to. It's just a thought in the back of my head if I have some Canucks that I might want to be careful about how much how much play any of them gets. It could be like a Carolina or a St. Louis situation. That's what I'm going to be watching for in the early days. Yeah, so we'll have to see in terms of like, yeah, if you're going to be losing a little bit from your JT Millers. Like I would have maybe not drafted him as high as his ADP was just out of a little bit of a concern like that. But yeah, no, Brian, I want to talk to Kuzmenko, of course. Only 12% rostered on Yahoo. If anyone's listening and he's available in your league, Go get him. Tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. Like, no, not a sure thing, of course, but everything I've been hearing is that he and Pedersen look amazing together. They're going to be playing on the same line. They both had six points in four games. Apparently, Pedersen is, like, looking great. You know, those last couple of years, he started slow. Word is, Pedersen's looking awesome. Kuzmenko's looking great with him. And yeah, 12% rostered. I feel like there's a good chunk of people listening right now that, you know, have him available. And I would just urge them to go get him. And by the way, if you have a lot of IR spots available, maybe once you come up with who you're going to drop for Kuzmeko, maybe uh, grab Mikheyev or because uh, he's probably in free agency. Stash him in IR and then bring him back because I believe yeah. before the Mikheyev injury, it was the three of them. It was Pedersen, Kuzmeko, and Mikheyev playing on a line together. And I'm very excited to see how that... Right now, it's a, a, a Carlson namesake. Uh, Linus Carlson has been playing on the line with Kuzmenko and Besser, and I can't imagine that's going to last. It's just going to be a matter of when Besser and or Mikheyev come back, that that's going to get shaken up. And so, yeah, I, I, I just want to urge the listeners, this might be your last chance. And again, it's not a guarantee, but if he's available in free agency, like definitely go out and get Kuzmenko just to take that shot. Uh, okay, so Brian, next up, let's go to the Nashville Predators, who actually we don't only have to talk about preseason stuff. We could actually talk about their first two games. Uh, what do you got for us? Well, I'm actually going to skip the preseason since we have two yeah. bona fide real regular season games. So um, if, if you have something that you notice in preseason, Elon, that is still no, relevant. I agree. Go, and let's this just is, talk about Nino Niederreiter scoring three goals on three shots. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the general caveat, by the way, of all of this, is that preseason, the end of preseason is, is a hard stop. The regular season's a fresh start. So we're doing the best we can with the data we have available. This is what fantasy hockey champs do. However, uh, we need to know that we kind of are all going to throw it in the garbage uh, if things change by the regular season. In Nashville, we've seen two regular season games. And Nino Niederreiter, yeah, he is that guy this year who is lighting it up, making fantasy managers feel so proud and pleased if they streamed in Niederreiter probably after missing out Unlike Capo Kakinen and James Reimer and Ryan Johansson and Mikhail Granlund and Luke Kunin and Mario Ferraro, maybe the list even goes further than that group before you're like, ah, I guess I'll take Nino Niederreiter and see what he does. And if you did three goals on three shots in two games, man, Nino Niederreiter, if he keeps shooting, taking one and a half shots per game and scores on 100% of his shots as he has so far. We're looking at a 123-goal season for Nino Niederreiter, assuming he stays healthy. 
that is. Um, and so far, the line seems to be working, although I don't know if even that's a fair takeaway. I think we just have to be like, yep, you know, Niederreiter is your early season crazy goal score. He's playing with Ryan Johansson and Kiefer Sherwood who uh, scored the first goal of this NHL season uh, in classic, like, I, I believe last year, the first goal of the NHL season was also a schmoll that didn't have too many fancy relevant players in there. Uh, Kiefer Sherwood is like this this journeyman who's 27 years old with his third NHL organization. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't need to buy too hard into Kiefer Sherwood. I'm sure nobody is. Uh, but the, how about the National Predator that I am going to bring up as someone who might be worth rostering beyond these last two games and someone who was on my radar is Ryan McDonough who has two points through the first two games, two hits, but seven blocks, and is playing 22 minutes. This is a guy who could play huge minutes. Even when he was on Tampa, he was, you know, someone who could be useful for picking up peripherals or playing a lot of time on ice. And I think he's going to be in a similar situation on Nashville. He hasn't been paired with Roman Yosi, which of course limits his time on ice on the whole. But I think he's sort of in a He's definitely in the top four, and it might be kind of a pair 1A, 1B situation in Nashville. And McDonough is going to get a lot of time on ice, and Nashville may give up a bunch of shot opportunities that he can throw his body in front of, as they did against San Jose. So if he can block seven shots over two games against San Jose, I hope he can continue doing the same thing through the course of the season. Yeah, I will say with Nino Niederreiter, like I know it's like fun to joke about, oh, three shots in three games. That means you can have 120 goal pace. Ha ha, lols, lols. Uh, but like he is like not like he's good, right? Like, I mean, he's not terrible. Like, uh, he, you know, he's put up 50 point paces for these last couple of seasons, which isn't nothing. There was a point in keeping Carlson history where we thought he was like really good. You know, when he had that breakout with Minnesota, that's already like six, seven years ago. But uh, yeah, he did have a good year there. Now he is in the top six on Nashville. So like, I don't know, like, Brian, it sounds like from what you were saying, it's like for sure now, if you streamed in Nino for those two games, just drop him for your next streamer or, or like, I don't know, I'd be tempted to to hang on now and see if he can continue to have success. Like he's not going to score in every shot, but even if he had only scored on one of those three shots, that still would have been a goal, which wouldn't have been, I don't you know what I'm saying? Like, like he's in the top six. Yeah. He's a guy so- that I think has some talent. Even if he did score on one of those three shots, it would be a 33% shooting percentage. We'd be like, yeah, I guess like that was a good stream. I I, I don't know, Elon. I, I would actually, I have Luke Kunin on one of my rosters, and I know Barabanov might be getting healthy and might join the team again soon, but I'm more interested in holding on to a Luke Kunin or even a Ryan Johansson than I am a Nino Niederreiter, who over the last few years has shown that he can be a 50-point player if... He's playing on a really good line in the top six for a chunk of games through the season, which I just don't see that opportunity happening. Well, he's in the top and six. So Yes, but the qualifier I, I used was really good line in the top six. And Ryan Johansson and Kiefer Sherwood doesn't qualify as being a really good line for him to play on. I'm not ruling out 50 points, but if you're holding on hoping that he's fancy relevant long enough. I don't know, Elon. This is too exciting a time of year for me to think that 30-year-old Nino Niederreiter is for real this year after we've seen him for a decade doing more or less nothing exceptional. I think he might be a really good hockey player. I'm sure he could... He seems like the kind of guy who, if you're playing casually with him, like pond hockey, if you run into him at the rink or something, he'll dazzle you with some incredible skills. But obviously, it's not translating a thousand percent into the NHL. So you would hold, like, for example, Elon, we were DMing about Alexander Holtz in New Jersey. What do we think of him coming up? Is he worth an ad? 
If you had Nino Niederreiter on your roster, Elon, and Holtz was available in free agency, would you be making the swap? I definitely would be. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it could go either way. Like, I mean, because Nino's on a new team in a new situation. I don't. I just kind of feel like, uh, I don't know, Andy is saying in the chat how Nino's like a streaky player and he might be on a streak. Shams is saying he'd hold for the week. Like, I guess, yeah, we're talking about another exciting guy in Alex Holtz. I guess maybe we'd have to look at the roster and see if there's anyone else I can drop. But yeah, Holtz, by the way, is on the top line on New Jersey right now. Uh, obviously, that's very exciting if he's going to be playing with Jack Hughes. But again, he could be shifted off so it's a good comparison i feel like maybe they're like similar to me right now and how interested i'd be in them maybe the the ceiling for holtz is higher but also i think the floor for nino is a lot higher but you're right brian at the start of the year maybe you want to get your home runs and not your like uh, like nino's not someone i expect to be worth holding all year but i feel like right now i might want to just hold and see kind of how because it's a new situation i just kind of want to see if maybe things uh continue to go well for him it's very funny. I feel like this is the trap I usually fall into, Elon, and I'm trying to learn from past mistakes. Or maybe the trap I fall into is picking a guy kind of like Nino Niederreiter, like contextually, but actually doesn't do anything for the first two games and then continues not doing anything for the next seven. Maybe that's the difference here uh, while watching the the best free agent possibilities fly off the shelf and one or two of them are going to hit. I don't know. I'd go for the upside here. I think there's going to be a lot of Nino Nita riders available on the wire through the year. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll see. It's hard for me to recommend dropping someone who has three goals in two games, even though I know the he didn't take enough shots. Maybe he'll take more shots in the next game. All right. So next up, let's go to the Washington Capitals, who are a Brian team. And you said a long time ago when this guy first signed with Washington. I'm just going to guess who you're going to talk about because you said that this guy, like, watch out for this guy. He's going to be something. I have a hunch. And I was like, come on. And now I guess you, you get to brag a little bit because there's a, a fun name in the top, uh, top line there. It's Connor Brown, right? Yeah, of That's course. who we're talking about. Who else is there to talk about? Everything else has been pretty standard in Washington. I guess Oshie got injured. Dylan Strom has done some stuff with three goals on six shots and getting power play one deployment. But yeah, you bet. I'm excited to see Connor Brown thrive on the top line with Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov. A goal to assist for three points in three games and nine shots too. Like this is not a pure passenger here. It's lovely that he's getting three shots a night. He has seen a, a, an above 50% share of Washington's power play time also, which is not something I expect to continue into the regular season. But I think it's possible. I think he's at least getting looks on their preseason PP1 units. Uh, so Connor Brown is absolutely worth rostering. I would drop, I, I'm not, I don't want to flog this too hard, Elon, <laughs> but I would drop Nino Niederreiter for Connor Brown here for sure, because he looks locked in on Ovechkin's line, even if it's just a few games to start the year. I'm happy to take that chance and see what happens. Connor Brown has proven himself as a player who is a good third piece. And it's actually a good mid-six piece, too, but can be a good third piece on a top line. And what the point I always go back to is he played with McDavid uh, in Erie. Like, he, he was oh. McDavid's... Yeah, like, they worked together. He was his wingman. So Connor, Stro- Connor Brown knows how to play with the best. And I think that's an actual skill. To It's not just how to ride coattails. I think there is a way to know, to be able to predict what star players, what super smart players are going to go ahead and do and support them in doing it. Connor Brown knows how. 
You know, that makes me uh, happy because I just grabbed a guy named uh, Suzdalev in my Dynasty League who's currently playing with Connor Bedard in the WHL. So I'm nice. hoping that Suzdalev will learn how to play with Bedard and then maybe uh, Washington will put him with Ovechkin next year. But anyway, okay, that's getting ahead. But as far as Connor Brown, I'm totally with you. I would take Connor Brown over uh, Nino Niederreiter. That's the last time we have to mention Nino on this episode. Uh, but yeah, Brown is very interesting here. But uh, also, I wouldn't slack off uh, Dylan Strom. Right, he's uh, now got the line to center spot, pretty much locked up because Backstrom's going to be out for a while, and he's the one on the top power play. It's like I'm not like I'm a basic person, Brian. Like if there's a guy available that's on the top power play in Washington, a power play that is a very successful power play, like give me that player. So Dylan Strom, I think between Dylan Strom and Connor Brown would be really interesting, and I might even take Strom. Uh, but I'm into both Strom and Brown if either of them are available to people both in really good spots to succeed. So uh, very interesting over in Washington. All right, let's go next to St. Louis. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. We're seven teams in, you know? Why don't we take a, take a breath? Then we're going to do a few more. Then we'll take another break and we'll end part one and just letting people know what's the plan for the show. But here we go. I hope everyone's enjoying the show. And we'll be back in just a sec. You're listening to Kim Carlson. All right, we are back, Brian. And like I said, we're going next to St. Louis, which is an Elon team. Uh, this is a kind of, this is kind of like what you were talking about with the Islanders, where it was like, I was having a little bit of trouble coming up with like a really interesting storyline here. Like it looks like it's similar to last year where they had that top nine where all three lines were kind of clicking and it was just like, yeah, they're all kind of good. Like uh, David Perron is gone and it looks like the new person in the top nine that's taking Perron, not taking Perron's spot because it's on a different line, but like uh, this this Jake Neighbors is someone that's been playing on, I guess, line three with Shannon uh, Barbashev. And Neighbors had two assists in the final game versus Chicago. So maybe, like, I don't know if Neighbors is similar to your... Uh, who was the guy on Anaheim that you threw out there? Oh, Regenda. Pavel Regenda. <laughs> Brian, who would you rather have, Jake Neighbors or Pavel Regenda to start the season? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I'll take I'll take Jake Neighbors just because his, his place in the depth chart has actually been better than Regenda's. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and also the top two power plays seem pretty even like it doesn't look like this team really has a top power play like they've been running with uh rob thomas buchnevich tarasenko krug and barbashev on the first one and then kairu o'reilly shen sod and falk on the second so it seems pretty even to me uh i didn't even mention the lines right so we're looking at uh in the most recent practice at least uh, o'reilly with sod and uh, costin who got traded so he's not there anymore, I guess. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Buchnevich with Thomas and Tarasenko, then neighbors Shannon Barbashev. So, it was there. There was a correction to the tweet that it was Cairo on the top. Oh, line okay, that makes Boston. a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. Sad O'Reilly and Cairo. Yeah, so it's like. I don't know, Brian. I guess that's kind of... I, I, I've given just a breakdown of what's going on there. I think that probably I feel very similarly about all of these players as I did going into training camp. Right? Like I did, Nothing changed for me. I think Ryan O'Reilly's the same. I think Tarasenko's the same. I think Buchnevich and Cairo and Rob Thomas. I just... I feel equally as confident in all of them as, as I did before. So is that a cop-out? No, I don't think so. Um, I think the... I think you already nailed the big story in St. Louis, which is the, the hype around Jake Neighbors really looking like a player through preseason uh, 26 overall draft pick back in 2020 by the blues of course they're invested as a former first rounder a recent first rounder it'd be great a late first rounder succeeding this early doesn't always happen so i'm sure the blues would be happy to see that take place on their roster he's turned uh well he's 20 and a half 
to start the year. So there's a chance that we'll, we might see him make some noise, especially because the Blues last year played three lines pretty evenly, right? So my question is, are they going to continue doing that now that David Perron's not in the picture? Like, can they afford to do that the same way? Because if you look at the, the depth chart now, it seems like there's a pretty clear top six, and then there's a drop-off to the third line that has Neighbors and Shen on it. I guess uh, maybe, Elon, I'll just bring up one negative observation from the blues camp which is that fortunately oh be negative sometimes oh okay all right i thought you were gonna you were also thinking what i was thinking um but this is is tory krug just one point in four games averaging fewer than two shots per game in preseason i don't know i just it seems like a moment where tory krug could actually like go off and try new things and be exciting and he continues to not be. He's someone that I really want to succeed in St. Louis, uh, but I don't have the Klingberg vibes about him. I think he still is their best bet to be a legit offensive defenseman, but this hasn't seemed like a good fit from day one. And uh, I'm not going to get too down about it right off the top, but I would have liked some reassurance or some sunshine there in Tori Krug's preseason numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't want to read too much into it. But yeah, the fact that also that there's two even looking power plays, you can't really even call Tory Krug like a top power play defenseman is another knock against him and being too excited about him for this year. So I agree with you there. Uh, okay, next up, people in the chat are making fun and saying we're like digging too deep into the hat, I guess, talking about the, the Jake Neighbors. <laughs> and then uh, someone said that maybe we got uh, EP rings, <laughs> Andy S, like seriously, is Brian's EP ringside secret scout or something. Uh, but anyway... Uh, you're then not going to like where we're going next because we're going to Arizona where every player is a deep player because I'll bet you we can't find someone who can name more than like five players on this team unless they're, you know, very deep into the prospects and unknown players, especially with Keller and Schmaltz who have been injured for most of camp. Chikrin's also been injured. Uh, by the way, Keller and Schmaltz are both expected to be back for the first game, so that'll be good. And then it makes it kind of hard to read into what happened during training camp because like this Arizona team was terrible. Like they were 0-6-1 in the preseason. I think this is the kind of team that really needs all of their top players available in order to have any chance of competing in any of these games. That game against Vancouver where they only took seven shots all game. I can't even imagine. I didn't watch it. Uh, I can't imagine what it would have been like to watch a game like that. Um, but if we do need to find a bright spot, I mean, Barrett Hayton led the team in points in the preseason, six points in five games. Uh, so who knows? He was playing on a line in the finale versus Vegas with Nick Ritchie and Lawson Krause, which... I'll be like, I mean, if Keller and Schmaltz aren't there, you know, if, if Keller, Schmaltz, and like whatever Boyd are one line, then probably Hayton, Richie, and Krause is the second line. So I don't know if like that's a, I don't know, whatever. I'm not actually saying I'm interested in Barrett Hayton, but he's someone that I'm glad to see he's doing something because, you know, he's someone who had a big pedigree. And speaking of people with big pedigrees, I saw that Dylan Gunther, only 19 years old, and he made the team. And he's someone who a lot of people are really excited about. And he, you know, he had three points in six games. But yeah, he was drafted super high. I think they got him as part of that whole deal with Garland and OEL. Like, Arizona really did well in that trade with Vancouver, by the way, I'll just say. And yeah, we're going to see what Dylan Genther can do for us this year. I'm not going to expect too, too much, but it'll be really fun to see. Maybe it'll only be nine games also. But yeah, uh, so it'll be fun to see what the lines are once Keller and Schmaltz are back. So definitely keep your eye on gamedaytweets.com as we retweet the full Arizona line combos. Way to find something to talk about in Arizona. There really isn't much. I think for me, I just want to see how the Coyotes official Twitter account tweets through 
this season. You know how like teams drop like maybe a quick line before their lines? And I feel like they're not even caring what the lines are. They're just like throwing out. They had like an eyes emoji, like the look emoji above their roster of guys who, to quote you, are we sure some of these guys aren't made up? (laughs) <laughs> like and then you know the next the next time was the lines are in which they've used that line before introducing their lines uh, on their twitter account so that's that's what i'm going to be watching um from arizona early this season i would also love to see some success from schmaltz and keller but it's been kind of a messy preseason which could be a prelude to a messy season uh, but as uh who said in the chat andy andy in the chat said go yotes break some friggin' hearts I agree. This will be a fun team just because of how god-awful they they appear to be. If they can win a game or two against, you know, some tough competition or in some high-stakes matchups, like, this is a team that can get coaches fired. So I would would love to see how much damage the Coyotes are capable of doing to other NHL teams and, like, watching the opposing fan base's reactions as they lose to Arizona. Yeah, well, don't forget, remember last year there was, like, that six or seven game stretch where they were, like, scoring, like, eight goals a game and it was just really crazy and and, uh, Nick Schmaltz had, like, a five-assist game or something. I don't know. So, like, maybe they'll be able to do that again. It'll definitely be really fun to watch and see. What what was longer? The Coyotes stretch where they were scoring a million goals every game and you were afraid to start goalies against them? Or that stretch where Matt Murray was good? last year i don't remember which one lasted Uh, for more games i think the coyotes stretch might have lasted for more games okay but i'm Uh, not sure don't quote me on that someone can do the research and let us know yeah i think murray's would have gone longer but he got injured of course all right so next up we go to the brian your ottawa senators i hopefully this was a brian uh uh, was it a brian team i hope so because you always have fun things to say and it was uh what do you what do you got to say about the sends we we predicted this uh top six all summer long not too surprising yeah, there actually isn't a whole lot of news since, I, I don't know if the last time we talked about them, Elon was on the auction draft show. It must have been, which feels like so long ago. By the way, if you want to watch the best in the world do this, go to our YouTube channel, Keeping Carlson, or uh, to watch it live, um, you can see the screen and everything, or just listen and get the insight. Uh, at Slim Cliffy, aka Michael Clifford, was on the show co-hosting with me. And we interviewed tier one managers in the cupful. That's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, KKUPFL.com, the best league in the world. Elon, you're in the top tier. These yeah, are the 14. What? People, people say I didn't do well in that draft. So <laughs> if you're trying to like learn how to draft well, don't pay attention to me. Draft well, no, you can, you can learn from Elon's mistakes and maybe <laughs> some other drafters' successes. Or maybe you'll disagree and think, hey, Elon, you did pretty well. If you did, if you do disagree, let Elon know. He could use, he could use a little boost. No, it doesn't matter uh, if I drafted well because... I'm going to get like the Kuzmenkos of the world to like, you know, I'll get superstars out of, I got Connor Brown, like, you know, like it'll be fine. I just need these guys to really step up for me, make up for a mediocre draft. You intentionally did not draft well, so you could win the way you enjoy winning, which is the way you just mentioned. Um, KKUPFL.com. If you want more info on the league, you can go and check out the rosters that were drafted. It's a great, it's great. And also our Discord community. You can join, get on the wait list for the couple, join our Discord community. It's a beautiful place. Were we talking right. about the Sens? What was the, how yeah. did the sentence start? I, feel I like don't know. The last time we talked about the Sens was in the <laughs> okay. auction draft, and then five minutes later, so about the <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, but here's the thing about the Sens. We knew this. We've known this for like two weeks. They did not hide their hand at all. They like 
We know the top line is Kachuk, Norris Batson. The second line is Giroud, Debrinkit, Stutzla. We'll let a couple guys fight for bo- for bottom six roster spots where they, you know, could make a little noise here and there. We'll watch our defense struggle. We'll see Cam Talbot get injured. But, like, no- nothing really has changed over the course of camp. We have the same expectations. Uh, the one takeaway I have from those line combos that we saw uh, is actually on the power play, which is that Debrinkit and Giroud aren't on the top power play, which means they're going to be on the second power play, which is pretty wild that the Ottawa Senators have uh, Jeroen to bring it for starters and that they're not even, they don't have room for them on their top unit, which makes sense, to be honest, because that Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Stutzla top unit is, was so good was so dangerous and they've still been dangerous in preseason. So to bring in Giroud, not on the top power play, but maybe the fact that they're on the second unit means that that second unit is going to get maybe a 45% share of the team's power play time, which will take away some of the power that Kachuk, Norris and Batherson and Stutzla all have on the power play, as well as it even strength because Ottawa can actually mix two lines in there. Now, um, another takeaway from preseason in Ottawa is that Jake Sanderson hit a quiet camp on the score sheet, but he was doing all the right things, saying all the right things and got a really, really positive reaction uh, from sense media and sense fans and from sense management. I think He's really impressed all the people he needed to. And Jake Sanderson is looking to begin the season in a top four role and could get some time on that pretty decent looking second power play unit. So I'd be watching to see who's playing on that second unit with Debrinkit and Giroux, whether it's uh, Jake Sanderson or Eric Brandstrom or potentially both. That's my other big takeaway. And of course, uh, we know Talbot's injured. This gives Forsberg some opportunity, Anton Forsberg, to take the crease show what he can do from the start. We we figured he was going to get the opening night start. Now he's going to get a bunch in a row. And I'm actually happy about that, Elon, because I was worried that we really wouldn't get to see, uh, we wouldn't get to see which which guy could actually run with the ball here. But now Forsberg's going to get a chance right out of the gates, and I'd love to see what kind of workload this guy's going to be able to handle in Ottawa. But behind a somewhat suspect defensive group. So it won't all be on him. But he's someone that uh, if you... Ended a draft goalie poor. Uh, He's probably gone by now. I'm sorry to break it to you. But if he's somehow still available in your league and you're looking for goalies and saves and starts, Anton Forsberg is a good early season guy. Yeah, especially because he kind of proved last year that he could handle a busy workload. So we'll see if they'll, you know, he'll have to play well. Yeah, only 67% rosters. So you might still be able to get him in some leagues. They've got Magnus Helberg, who they claimed off of waivers from Seattle. So I guess it's kind of too bad in hindsight that they claimed him because then Seattle ended up waving Joey Decord, who a lot of Sens fans, including my wife's father, was like really sad that they lost him in the, uh, you know, in the expansion draft. And Hashtag they, bring back Joey. So, But I guess they were too, they, you know, they already signed Helberg. I guess they didn't want to have to go through the whole process again. But I wonder if Decord would have been dropped first if he would have been the one at the would have claimed but yeah so we'll have to see in the meantime yeah i would be surprised to see forsberg play a lot assuming he starts the season strong okay next up let's go to the philadelphia flyers which is a team that you know i know we're talking about arizona being a team that we're expecting not to win too much i know a lot of people are pretty low on philly and that's a that's an elon team here Another team that I, I wasn't sure exactly where I wanted to go here. There's some news that Cam Atkinson may be healthy. So it'll be interesting to see where he slots into the lineup because the Lions are looking pretty top nine-ish 
from Tortorella. Like Konechny, Hayes, Lawton was a line. Uh, then Frost, JVR, and Allison, who I think Atkinson could probably bump Allison when he's back. And then Noah Cates, Farabee, and Tippett, third line. So anyways, you know, we'll have to see. It's, it's a new coach and a lot of players that really haven't established themselves. Uh, so I guess it'll be fun to see how things shake out. I wouldn't like buy too much into these lines. I think the main takeaway for me is like at this point on this Philly team, I think Travis Konechny is like the clear superstar or I guess you wouldn't say superstar, clear star on the team. Like I I think I'm at the point, I'll see if you agree with me, Brian, like whatever line Konechny's on, I'm going to call that the top line. You know, sometimes we have that, you know, we used to say that about the Islanders, but whatever line Barzal's on, that's the top line. Now I'm starting to not sure if I agree with that anymore, but like, I think this is an opportunity for Konechny to really like step forward. You know, there's no Giroux anymore. Like Couturier's injured. He might, there's been some news that maybe he'll be able to actually come back at some point. But in the meantime, I'm curious to see, like, uh, you know, Konechny looks like he only played one preseason game and he scored a goal. So he's someone I'm going to watch and see, like, if he's going to be able to step up into, like, a really important leadership role. I think they're going to need him to take if they're going to want to be successful. And I guess the only other thing I'll say on Philly before I throw to you is I feel like a lot of people were saying that they weren't expecting Tony D'Angelo and Tortorella to click. They're like, uh-oh, D'Angelo on a Tortorella team? He's going to get benched. So for what it's worth, Tony D'Angelo played 24 and 26 minutes in his two preseason games. I haven't seen anything to indicate that Tortorella like doesn't like him like you know he was playing him a lot he's on the top power play so I don't know obviously we'll have to see what happens in the actual season but I feel like maybe it's a little overblown how much like that they're going to be like oil and water and not click I think that the TDA is their top you know pairing and top power play defenseman yeah I mean why would they have brought in Tortorella and then D'Angelo if it wasn't going to work I would I would assume they did their due diligence on that maybe that's giving some NHL front offices too much credit but I think it's uh we could put that storyline to bed until we can't anymore. Because uh, with these guys, I mean, Tortorella, he's this guy just insults players, right? Like, this is what he does. This is his shtick. And it kind of works for him. But whenever he makes a quote in a press, it's just, he's just rude. Like, there aren't too many so openly rude coaches out there in the NHL these days. So if anybody might end up in conflict with a player. It could be anyone, really. I'm not going to... Why am I dwelling on this? Uh, you mentioned Travis Konechny. Yeah. Yeah, sure. His line is the <laughs> top line. I don't know. His, his line or Atkinson. I remember Charlie O'Connor on um, the interview he did. I think it was with Ben. Correct me if I'm wrong, if it was with you. Um, for a 32-beat series where he was saying, you know, Konechny has always shown that he can do... He, he looks... He can look really good, but he hasn't shown that he can actually carry a line yet. And also, he hasn't really shown that he can play consistently for any stretch of time. He had that incredible season back in 1920 when he was on a 76-point pace. And that was his fourth in the league. I was like, whoa, Like he's really taken this step. A lot of what he was doing looked good. I'm pretty sure I drafted him in a couple leagues the following year, which had a 56-point pace and a 54-point pace last year. Honestly, I can't expect much more than that. But from any flyer, I can't expect much more than that. So I, this is a team I'm still steering pretty clear of. And uh, I enjoy, I appreciate you doing the yeoman's work of finding uh, somebody to talk about on Philly. All right. So then let's just move on to our next team which are the Calgary Flames, a much more exciting team going into this year after they somehow were able to make up for the fact that both Goodrow and Kachuk decided not to return. Uh, so, Brian, it looks like that's a you team. What do you want to talk about in Calgary? So Calgary is a team with a really exciting offseason, but not the most exciting preseason, which maybe is something we should expect from a team that had so much change sort of come at them so quickly 
that there's it's gonna it's gonna take some time to gel like the preseason scoring leaders were Blake Coleman and Michael Stone each with four points in five games Huberto and Toffoli in five games they each had three points and only nine shots which isn't great like I want to see Toffoli definitely taking more than two shots per game which he failed to do and Huberto I'd also love to see that which he failed to do also um so uh, not a lot to uh, but I'm not I'm not getting panicky about this at all. I I think this is just a team figuring out who they are and how they're going to do things. Um, We seem to have learned that Rasmus Anderson appears to be on the top power play. Now, the last time we've really seen anything we could sink our teeth in to from the Flames in terms of news or action is already a few days ago from when we're recording this, so that could change. But I didn't see a reason why Anderson wouldn't start on the top unit this year after really emerging as an incredible player as of mid-January last year offensively. And so I'm glad, I, I, I hope it holds that he's the incumbent. We learned that uh, Toffoli and Manjapani could be fluid through the year, trading spots on the top two lines. And uh, I, I think that's it. Like none of these really jumps out to me as a huge takeaway. I think maybe the biggest takeaway is something, is just Calgary's lack of pop so far like but they were ranked second by dom in his nhl team rankings uh top to bottom best teams in the league this year so i have some faith in dom's rankings and i have some faith in the flames and i think i'm actually watching them to see if they get off to a slow start that might be a good time for you to start looking at buying low on some of their guys, maybe your Huberto, maybe Jacob Markstrom, maybe Rasmus Anderson. These might be guys that people lose patience with quickly and say, oh, Calgary's done. I don't think they're done. I think they might still need a couple couple weeks, get some games under their belt before they're clicking on all cylinders. And at that point, you'll be happy to have them. And uh, But before that point, if they start falling and you can find someone panicking, that might be a good team to swoop in and grab someone on. Yeah, okay, so definitely something to watch. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense with so much that has changed on the team. Maybe, yeah, it might take a little while for them to gel. And yeah, I found it interesting that like, Rasmus Anderson was on the top power play just because, you know, they were bringing in Mackenzie Weaker. And so some people were wondering, oh, does that mean maybe Weaker gets a shot? So now we know at least to start the year, it's still Rasmus Anderson with Huberto, Kadri, Toffoli, Lindholm. So could, in, uh, on paper, it sounds like a pretty good power play. All right, next up, let's go to the Edmonton Oilers, another Canadian team here in Alberta. And that's an Elon team. I guess I got to start with uh, our 2020 14th overall pick, Dylan Holloway, right? He had that big game versus Vancouver where he scored a hat trick. He didn't get any points in his final couple games, but he's been skating with Dreisaitl and Hyman on the second line. So, I mean, it's a great spot. He's a high pedigree guy. So if he's available in free agency, give him a shot, you know? I think he's still available in tier one, or maybe someone grabbed him. I thought about grabbing him, then in the end I decided, uh, I don't know, I'd prefer whatever, Connor Brown or whoever I ended up grabbing instead of him. Actually, there's a guy on Colorado that, that I'm interested in, but I'm going to save it for when we get to Colorado. But I also took the Colorado guy over Dylan Holloway, so we'll find out if I really kick myself. Because again, this is a guy who could be a high pedigree. You know, I guess we also brought up uh, Holtz on New Jersey, who we haven't even actually dug into yet because we haven't gotten to New Jersey. So Holloway, I, I put him in that category as someone that's interesting. But of course, things can change. Uh, Puliarvi has been playing on the top line with McDavid and Evander Kane, but Yamamoto has been injured. So maybe some, maybe Pugliarvi gets bumped from the top six or maybe Holloway gets bumped from the top six. So we'll see what happens when Yamamoto is back. Uh, the other guy I just wanted to mention is Tyson Berry. Man, I mean, look, 
Gotta give credit where credit's due. He had a goal and assist in each of his final couple games. He had six shots in in a, you know he was on the top power play in that game versus Seattle. Like so, uh, you know, like I know we're all expecting that Bouchard is the guy who's going to eventually take over, but maybe Barry is going to say like I'm not done yet here. And if he ended up undrafted in your league, I think now would be a good time to grab him. I wouldn't like you know be overly freaking out if you have Bouchard, but just. Keep in mind, so like you know, Barry's still there, and he still has the ability to to pop off. So don't forget about him. Yeah, that's a really good list of guys to watch. I feel like Jesse Pugliarvi is someone who we were excited about last year. Is basically in the same position this year, and no one's talking about him. And that might be, like you said, Yamamoto's injured, so maybe there's something something gives there. But I don't think Yamamoto's really shown that he belongs in the top six either. And for what you said about Barry, I'll just say like Bouchard owners, you said don't panic, and I'll I'll just repeat that because Bouchard is great. Because even if he's not getting that top power play time, he's probably still filling enough categories to be relevant for your roster, which is nice. All right, let's stay in Canada for our third consecutive Canadian team, Elon. And you are going to share with us a takeaway on the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, going to Toronto. Ooh, another Elon, two in a row. So fun. Okay, Uh, so Tavares has been injured for a bit, but he was back at practice today. Looks like he's going to be centering the second line with Nylander as per usual. And Dennis Malgin was the third piece on that line at the end of camp and also at the practice today on Sunday. Uh, Malgin, six points in four games during training camp to, I guess, earn that spot to start the year. I don't know. Like Toronto plays Wednesday, Thursday next week. If you're looking for an early stream, maybe try out Dennis Malgin and probably you'll just drop him after those two games or maybe he'll do well there, right? It's a really good spot to be in. Uh, So he's someone on my radar. Brian, like let's say you were deciding between Mal, You really want a Leafs player. You could have Malgin or you can have Alex Kerfoot, who's like just a a solid-ish guy on the third line. You go Malgin? Okay. Yeah, well, because I know I'm going to drop Kerfoot eventually anyway. Like he's had a good preseason, but he's a frustrating guy. He'll get you in assist and no shots and that still might be worse than other streamers who didn't even get a point so uh alex kerfoot is never really someone i I want to have on my roster for any length of time malgan i don't necessarily expect to outlast him there but i'll at least try and see what happens early on and I'll also just mention uh, more of just a congratulations to Zach Aston Reese. You know, he had the PTO and then he ended up uh, doing well enough to secure a contract. And he's someone who's good for hits, right? So if you're in a bankers league, uh, maybe you want to take, a, especially a categories league, you might want to take a look at Zach Aston Reese. You know, maybe don't grab him right now, but like follow along if he's getting a few hits. And then when you're on Toronto, you always have the chance to maybe score a goal or two. So I don't know, just, just throwing it out there that he's a guy that is good for hits. And now he made the team. I'll throw out one more name really quickly. This is someone who was in a Mulgan-ish spot earlier. Well, he was playing with Savars and Nylander, which is Nick Robertson, right. who might be someone worth keeping an eye on. He is currently... Is he injured? Did he make the team? How did I, but, this end? <laughs> I think he made the team. Uh, I think he was like... Scale, looking at the practice lines from today, he was sort of on like the the fifth line, you know, the scratch line. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see, but yeah, definitely it's not as if Dennis Mulgan is like a guarantee to hold that spot. So yeah, definitely Nick Robertson, who's a much higher pedigree guy, uh, might end up getting a chance there at some point during the year. So yeah, he's definitely, I agree, someone for us to watch. But okay, let's leave Toronto now. Let's go to Boston. We'll do a couple more teams here before taking our next break. And Boston is a Brian team. And Brian, you must be so happy that one of your favorite guys for forever, Taylor Hall, is looking like he's going to be back and ready to start the year. He's going to be back and ready to start the year, which is great, considering he's week to week, a day into preseason, where I feel like I'd already drafted him in at least two, onto at least two different rosters. 
so the good news is Hall is back. The interesting news is that Taylor Hall is separated from David Pasternak when they had so much success last season. It seems like the lines are still in flux in Boston. I'm seeing enough changes, you know, from practice to practice that maybe uh, they're still trying out a whole bunch of new things. But it would be very interesting if Hall didn't start the year with Pasternak, which still means, by the way, he's going to start the year with Patrice Bergeron. He's going to get one or the other, which I think is really good news for Taylor Hall. And then the other Boston storyline is that uh, David Krejci, Looks pretty good. He doesn't look like he's missed a beat after spending a year at home in Czechia. Now he's back, four points in three preseason games. Didn't appear too rusty, even though he's 36 years old. And remember, this is a guy, I mean, classic David Krejci, four points in three games and four shots on goal. So this is not a guy that you're going to expect to do a whole lot for you unless he is putting up a bunch of points. But to start the year, he could be playing with uh, Taylor Hall and or David Pasternak, playing on the top power play unit in Boston. Uh, so he's someone who I think is worth a like a deeper league ad right off the top just to see where this goes. Yeah. By the way, we're getting news in the chat here that Nick Robertson didn't make the team in Toronto. So we'll see if he ends up getting called back up before the first game of the year or not. But yeah, so there's the update there. And yeah, as far as Boston goes, I agree with you about Krejci, but let me also throw out uh, Pavel Zaka, right? He also had four points in three preseason games. And with Hall going to play with Bergeron, that's left Zaka to play with Krejci and Pasternak, an all-check line. And I'm interested, right? Like, uh, I think that Pasternak is probably the most exciting guy to play with, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I think that Zaka, like, it's like kind of the same thing like you said about Hall. Like, Zaka before was playing with Bergeron, right? So I think either way, Zaka's going to end up in a good spot. Uh, so for in the short term, before Marshawn comes back, he's someone that I think is going to be getting some mentions on keeping Carlson. I think he's going to get some points, hopefully assisting on a lot of David Pasternak goals because Pasternak is my top guy that I need to really depend on in Kakupful this year. I'm also going to give a shout out to maybe the most random name I've seen in all of this. Maybe it's not even random, just the most unknown to me, Mark McLaughlin, putting up four points in four yeah, preseason no. games with Boston, a former... Uh, oh, undrafted, but he's 23 years old. He got a cup of coffee, 11 games, three goals last season, playing 10 and a half minutes a night. That's it. I, I've never heard of Mark McLaughlin until prepping for this show. No, I was watching him because he's actually available in my Dynasty League, and it's very rare for someone to be available that actually has a chance to make a team. Uh, but anyways, like he uh, well, play, apparently played really well at camp, but a lot of people on Twitter were saying that Mark McLaughlin should have made the team, and the only reason he didn't is because he's you know they were able to send him down without him having to clear waivers, so it was just like the easier thing to do. Uh, but if someone gets injured, I'll bet you Mark McLaughlin's going to get called up, and we'll see if he could do anything. He also looks like he's, he's from North Bilerica. Mm-hmm. Bill, or, like I, it sounds like a made-up place. I just, okay. I just don't know this guy. He's twenty-three years old, out of college. So yeah, well, uh, well, I'm glad. interesting that you're on to him already, Elon. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I doubt we're going to mention him. I think we'll be mentioning Pavel Zaka before we mention Mark McLaughlin. Uh, next, go to I said next go. So perfect. Let's let's just make that a thing. Next, go to New Jersey to end part one of this episode. New Jersey is a team. I for some reason I'm just like really interested in New Jersey. Like I don't know. I think I just really like Jack Hughes. I really like Dougie Hamilton, who by the way is looking really good. Like for anyone who is like worried about Dougie Hamilton after the, you know last year like seems like he's back to his old tricks like he had a strong preseason he's back on the top power play so 
Good for him. Uh, but yeah, I guess the guy we got to talk about, we've already mentioned his name a couple of times. So Alex Holtz has been playing. He's the seventh. We've talked about a few 2020 picks in this show. And so Alex Holtz is another one, seventh overall in that draft. He had a goal and assist in the finale versus Boston from that top line with Hughes and Palat. Uh, so definitely someone that, you know, we saw Sharon Govich last year do really well in a similar spot. That was with uh, Bratt. Uh, by the way, Jesper Bratt has been playing on a line with Dawson Mercer and Thomas Tatar. Of course, Heeshear has been injured, so maybe there'll be another big shakeup when Nico Heeshear comes back. Uh, but in the meantime, I don't know. I'm a little bit bummed for Jesper Bratt. Like, I feel like it'll be a little harder for him to continue what he did last year. Like, last year after Hughes got injured, if you recall, Bratt kind of fell off like a touch like he didn't do as well as he was doing with jack hughes and now alex holtz gets that spot of course there's power play and there's other situations but i think uh for me right now i'm not saying definitely definitely don't go and drop brat and things could change very quickly but also holtz is a very interesting free agent i'm sure palat was drafted in your league and uh for good reason i would take him over holtz for this year just because palat is definitely going to stay in the top six i think and also probably get a better shot at getting that power play but maybe holtz can you know apparently he's a very like one-way player victor uh from fantasy hockey life has been saying in our discord how holtz like is bad at defense and like he's old but you know who cares right it's fantasy right <laughs> like obviously the the risk is that if he's not very good at defense then maybe he's at risk of getting sent down if he's not a, you know if he makes like a boneheaded move or something but in the meantime yeah there, there could definitely be some points there so he's someone i'd be interested in if you have space for sure. Like, he's someone I would definitely take a flyer on. Elon, in that aforementioned DM we had, I sort of compared him to Lucas Raymond as someone who could step into a, a great lineup spot to start the year, has a fantastic pedigree, um, is also Swedish, and could step up. And, of course, he's a little older than Lucas Raymond was last year in his debut, so maybe that works in Alexander Holtz's favor as well, that he had his nine games last season, continued working on on his game in the lower leagues, and now has come up ready to roll, potentially on the top line. So I, I like him as net. I like also that he took 13 shots in his five preseason games. Uh, New Jersey took a pile of shots. You mentioned Dougie Hamilton, 11 shots in four preseason games. Graham Clark, 13 shots in four preseason games. Uh, Jesper Brad had 12 and four. Elon, do you know who the top New Jersey Devils shot taker <laughs> was in preseason I mean, it's an nhler it's not like so random but i still think you'll you'll never guess well now it's a fun challenge uh let me okay i got a name i'm gonna throw at you miles wood it was not miles okay. wood oh I, it was I, let's hear it it was eric Halla. oh good he took, for him. we took yeah he took 14 shots over the course of his four games um so that's uh that's interesting he's been he was playing most recently in preseason action with brad and sharon govich so i don't know maybe that bodes well but yeah i am also very interested in new jersey uh this is a team who i want to see like the islanders like i said call me in 10 games new jersey call me after one and then again after two and again after three i want to see how this all plays out yeah, and also the coach has been saying how like Blackwood and Vanacek expects it to be 50-50 and you know we'll see if like one of them takes hold. The, the word uh, was that like he's hoping that it's just going to be 50-50 and they, you know, that's like the way they'll keep both of them fresh. So, I wouldn't be uh, you know, setting my watch to or like hoping for someone to eventually win that job. It might just go back and forth like the Islanders used to be. So, okay, Brian, with that, we're done 16 out of the 32 teams. Uh, we're more than an hour into here, so why don't we let everyone once again take a little bit of a break, including you, yourself and myself. I'll take a sip of my The Last of Us Part 2 water bottle. 
What a great game, right? Everyone remember that game? I remember when it came. Anyway, uh, and so yeah, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson to get uh, the part two of this. And like I mentioned, uh, the stream scheme, short shifts, like all the content we're going to have for you because we are not going to leave you hanging. We're going to be giving you fantasy advice like this as the season goes on all the way throughout. So yeah, just, uh, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google, you know where to, you know where you, to listen to podcasts, right? Go ahead, subscribe, and we'll be back to give you part two of this show. It's the next show in your feed. So just press play and and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.